2: Lights out is the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, November 14th, 2022. Sorry for the delay today, but I just got off a plane. It's not easy. I mean, listen, it's simple. It's nice. It's amazing. Going to Brazil to watch a Formula One race as part of a trip that I try to do or do do with three friends of mine, same three guys. There's four of us, three other guys. Every year we're called the Cultural Exchange Club and we go to a different sporting event each year. We started in 2006 when I did the Ironman and the three of them came. And have, since then, none of us has participated in the sport. We've been spectators and we've seen some cool stuff. But I am uh, I'm not going to be one of those guys who says, yeah, I love F1 forever. We went to the Macau Grand Prix one year, this cultural exchange club, and I thought that was F1. It turned out to be F7 hit. And then I watched Drive to Survive. I'm okay to admit it. That is how it happened. I started watching it not because I was an early adapter, because people said, you got to watch this. I said, I don't want to watch it. I don't like F1. And they said, no, no, you you won't believe how good the show is. So I watched an episode, done, HLS, hook, line, and sinker. Every single season, I know the grid. I know who the, the constructors, this and and who's spending money and all the characters because it's a show. So they make characters. Christian is married to a Spice Girl. Gunther from Haas got his first pole position for Magnuson in the sprint race this weekend. You've got the head of Ferrari who's all buttoned up. You got Lewis Hamilton, all of them. So I watched the races and we decided let's go to one. So we get on a plane, go all the way, and instead of just going to Brazil, one, one of the group, we stopped in Buenos Aires because it's close enough. It's like New York to Florida, and we saw Coldplay. That was really cool. Then we went to Brazil. So let me tell you about a F1 race, not like the kind that was in Miami that I heard about. I did not attend, but I know many people who did. This There was no sand. There were no rowboats, motorboats, any other kind of fishing boats. There was no people – other than the 100,000 people who are die-hard Grand Prix fans. You go in, it is sort of like plastic bleacher seating. We were at turn something right out of pit row, where you go down the hill, make a few turns, and then a straightaway. So you get there, There's there's lines. The way they do it, which I can't believe we haven't thought of here in the U.S., you can't just buy concessions. They don't want cash transactions. They don't want credit card transactions. There are separate booths that you have to go to where you do your exchange and you put money on a card. And the card is what is taken. It becomes like a debit card. And that's the only thing you can use to buy anything within this stadium. It's called the Aero aerodormo or autodormo, autodromo, autodromo. So it's an unbelievable scam, for Sao Paulo and for whoever owns the building. I can't believe I never thought of it because guess what? The money that you put on the card, it's UI or LI. Use it or lose it. So there's waste. You put extra money on the card and then you're like, all right, give me seven beers at the end of the race. Cause you go three days. I went to the practice. I went to the qualifying, the sprint. And then yesterday went to the race and The last time we're in line to get various concession items, you're just looking around. Hey, anybody want a beer or a water or something else? But yet there's still money left on everybody's card. So you go buy your stuff, then you go sit down and then it starts. And there's a bunch of there's no English spoken. I believe that it doesn't travel well, the Grand Prix. Because we didn't come across anyone who spoke English other than us. Anybody, people who worked there, not that they're supposed to, they're in Brazil, but it was all Portuguese, all local people. It overtook the city and the autodrome was about 45 minutes outside the city. And oi, is their traffic in any case. So what struck me about the qualifying and then about the sprint race, you're so excited when it starts What you're not ready for is the noise and the speed. It doesn't translate on TV. Whatever you think you're seeing in terms of the skill of these drivers and the way Drive to Survive tries to explain the skill of these drivers, in person, it's an entirely different ballgame. You can't take a second off. It's not like in baseball where between pitches you can, you know, pick your ass or or look at the grass or look at the stands. It's not like in football where you huddle up and you put your hands on your on your hips if you're out of breath or anything like that. Golf where you can take some practice swings. There is zero break even in the pit. Which by the way, I never really timed the pit, even though there's a timer when you watch it on TV. In real time, the speed in which they pit is staggering. But the attention that they have to pay and the speed in which they're going, my ears, I wore no earplugs day one and then got smart and I didn't care what I look like. I had earplugs in for day two and day three. I just all hands on deck. The problem with attending a Grand Prix in person versus watching it on TV is, A, I'm not getting the play-by-play in English. There's a little scoreboard in front of the grandstand, but you have to take a picture of the scoreboard, then make it larger with your thumb and your forefinger in order to see who's where. Because in the beginning of the race, you know who's starting where because you can see it. Cell service, spotty at best, Wi-Fi non-existent. But then you've got people who pit, then you've got cars that crash or they don't finish or they fall back, and you then... When the first car goes, it's easy to see who's first, and you can count the standings. The first 10 get points. Second lap, you're still decent. But then there's a lot of moving around. You lose count. And there's not a minute between cars the way there is in the first two laps where everyone's bunched up. By lap four or five, the most time we ever had without a car passing us over the entire 71-lap race was 22 seconds. Yes, I timed it. 22 seconds. In the beginning, it was a minute, a full minute and a half, which was what it takes to go around the the circuit. So in any case, you're at the, you're watching, you see that Russell is leading from start to finish, although he pitted, so then he was in the lead, then he retook the lead. We were sort of near a DRS zone, but couldn't see it, the passing really, except on the screen. And then you see Hamilton falls back, then goes forward. He's in second, a few people drop out of the race, yada, yada, yada. Max Verstappen, who is the winner of this year's um, he is the top driver and Red Bull's the top team. So something happened during the race that we didn't know about until we got service and read an article that Max Verstappen did something to his own teammate, Perez, at Red Bull. And I started thinking, and it doesn't matter what he did, except he was supposed to let him go, and then he didn't let him go, then he passed him, then he could have let him try to catch the clerk of the Ferrari guy who, it doesn't matter. The way F1 works is that there's 10 teams of two. It's the equivalent of a baseball team where you have a number three hole hitter and a number four hole hitter. And the number three hole hitter is going for a record, let's just say. But for the game that they're currently playing, it would make sense for the three hole hitter to hit a single, but he's going for a home run record and he's doing it, with the four-hole hitter, and then the three-hole hitter does his job. The four-hole hitter gets the record, and the three-hole hitter gets forgot. What would happen if the three- and four-hole hitter would not do what their manager said? These drivers have their coaches, for lack of a better word, in their ear. I mean, there is a better word. I just don't have it to sip on my tongue on this Monday morning, fresh off the red eye through Miami. Yes, got back, showered, put on the blazer, and we are coming to you. Almost live almost famous. So in his ear, Verstappen was told to let Perez go and he didn't. And then after the match, after the race, Verstappen said, they know why I didn't do it. It's it's a huge story. I don't think there's another sport like that. What happens if a coach calls a play on the sideline and the NBA player like Durant doesn't run it? Can you imagine if an NBA player would run his own play and not what the coach said? Can you imagine if a quarterback would audible what a coach sends in from the sideline? It's unheard of. Who would ever do that? Or if a player in baseball doesn't set a bunt down and then just says, Oh, I missed the sign. Luis Castillo, Poppy, I missed the sign. Luis, you don't know the signs. This just seemed like a bigger deal because there's no room for misunderstanding. They're all being spoken to. There's only two per team, and they're being spoken to the entire time. And you can listen in, which is cool. The access is staggering. We tried that in baseball with the franchise. Football tries that with hard knocks. But the access that Netflix has on the circuit with F1. Obviously, it's been a huge business maker for F1, a huge money maker. Their broadcast deal went up almost 20X because now there are millions of people like me. Hey, if you have a chance to do something a little different, it is not an expensive country. can find a flight on Viagogo or wherever you want to find a flight. Just have experiences. Because while it's exhausting and you're out of your comfort zone and you get tummy aches, It's going back to my tummy ache theory. It's good to have them. So what happened while I was gone? I missed doing the show. So did Coca. He was so excited for this morning. All right, let's go right to a question. You know what I want? (laughs) I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. (laughs) That didn't already. Four, six, nine. So you want to talk to Samson. The best DM I got all week, Coca, is... One of our listeners messaged me on Twitter at David P. Sampson and said, I've been listening to shows since the beginning, but I never took the time to watch Half Baked until right now. I am three quarters baked and three quarters through the movie. That's where So You Want to Talk to Sampson comes from. Here's the question. Just ask a question on Twitter. I may get to it. Jim Crane offered James Click one year. Please explain the rationale. Thank you not a hello, David, not a how you doing, how's your week, right to it. Jim Crane is the owner of the Houston Astros. James Click is the World Series winning, ring-getting, president of baseball operations, general manager for the Houston Astros. And we had a story a couple weeks ago before the playoffs where there was known problems with the Astros. Dusty Baker and James Click didn't get along, and Jim Crane and James Click didn't get along little rule of thumb. If you don't get along with the owner and you've chosen to attach yourself to a different ship, it's likely that you've chosen the wrong horse. Could I mix any more metaphors? Try not to go against what your owner wants. And Jim Crane is a very needy owner. And James Click had his own idea, having come from a good GM tree, trying to figure out what to do best after the whole garbage can sign stealing with uh, A.J. Hinch being fired with Jeff now the GM being fired. James Click was brought in with Dusty Baker to write the ship. But it turns out the captain of the ship never changed. And the captain of the ship, Jim Crane, owners, there's 30 ships, 30 captains, period. No matter what else you read, the owners are the captains of the ship. If you want change at an organization with the commanders, with the clippers, with the suns, with the Cincinnati Reds of yesteryear, if you want real change in an organization, it doesn't come until you get rid of the owner. They can do all sorts of things to make you believe that they are trying. We're changing, we're doing things differently. Owners don't change how they do things until they are forced to not do them that way any longer. And the only way a team owner is ever forced to stop doing the things they do and the way they do it is when they no longer own the team, period. They can handle the bad PR. They can handle the losing. They can handle the winning. They can handle the hatred, the jealousy. They can handle everything because they're the owner. Don't forget Ted Lerner's favorite quote. The owner of the Washington Nationals, He is a four score plus at least 10 right now. The most gentle grandfatherly like man. When he told me, don't you worry about anything that's ever written about you, David. And I told him I don't. And Ted, I said, you shouldn't either. He said, every one of those people who criticize me, whether they're my employees or the media or the fans, I still wake up tomorrow as the owner of the team. I don't know. A quote that can be more on point than that. So Jim Crane, who absolutely knew everything that was going on, no matter what Rob Manford said in the report, no matter what anybody said about the sign stealing, where he said that Jim Crane knew nothing, like Hogan's heroes, I knew nothing. Of course he did. The owners know about that kind of stuff. There were a few things Jeffrey Laurie didn't know over the course of 18 years, but guess what? Not too many. So Jim Crane stays, brings down James Click, and all of a sudden, James Click thought, hey, in the interview, I was told I could run the baseball side. And then when it came down to it, I could run the baseball side except for the administrative side, which no owners want to do. But when it came time to sign players or meet with free agents or do big trades, all of a sudden, the owner is telling me everything. Well, maybe if we win the World Series, I'll get a good extension. Do you remember what happened to Mike Hill with the Marlins? Mike Hill guided the Marlins. He survived the Derek Jeter takeover. He was never one of Jeter's guys. Jeter wanted to get rid of him, but couldn't for myriad reasons, especially because Derek Jeter and everyone he brought in had no idea how to run a baseball team. Only Mike Hill did. So Mike Hill runs the Marlins for a couple of years without me and then makes the playoffs and the COVID-shortened 2020 season. Stops that horrific stretch of losing that I shepherded and goes and makes the playoffs granted it was 31 and 29 but they won their first round series against the cubs maybe in 2020 and then lost in the second round fine the end of the season mike kill's contract was up we never would have a gm or manager on lame duck status it's not nice and it's not effective it's not impactful i'd rather pay severance than have an employee wondering what's going to happen going forward but the Yankees don't work that way and Derek brought that to the Yankee to the Marlins. So, Mike Hill was offered a one-year deal by Derek Jeter and he was offered that one-year deal knowing that he would take it cuz Jeter thought he could run the team without Hill now and wanted Hill to leave but didn't want to say, "Oh, I fired Mike Hill." Jim Crane did the same thing to James Click. He offered him a one-year deal that under no scenario James Click was going to accept. James Click got fired. It's not going to say he got fired because what it's going to say is, and what Jim Crane released is, we offered him a one-year deal. We didn't come to agreement. We have both decided to move on. That is the single biggest crock of horse hockey that we do as owners and presidents is tell you that things are mutual. Don Mattingly mutually decided to leave the Marlins this year. Okay. It just doesn't happen. Now, why would Jim Crane six days after winning a World Series let Dusty Baker come back for one more year because Dusty Baker is coming back for one more year wait to see we said I think but James Click is not what makes it that James Crane Jim Crane didn't want to give James Click a multi-year deal GMs on one-year deals don't work year to year with the GM it's not the right way to run a team it Disincentivizes a GM from doing what's right for both the short and long term when the GM doesn't think he has to worry about long term. For the opposite of that, just go to Billy Bean in Oakland, who not only has a piece of the team, he's been there forever. He's the Brad Pitt guy for Moneyball, and he operates that team knowing that he's got windows that open, then windows that close. They're going to lose ninety five or one hundred games, but then they're going to make the playoffs three years, then they're going to lose for three years. But when he knows he has job security. He can plan for both, build for both, know when it you shouldn't be hanging on a year too long, know when it's time to sign players and add to your core. That is a great way to run a team. In Tampa, no one runs that team scared of losing the job. They understand that they've got an owner who understands what it is to win and what you need to win. Jim Crane was so busy worrying about winning this World Series, hoping that you would forget about 2017, hoping that all the other owners would forget about 2017 so we could walk into an owner's meeting wearing the 22 ring instead of the 17 ring, which he knows whenever the Dodgers and Yankees and other teams would look at, would look askance. Now we can wear the 22 ring where they had 21 different players or 21 out of 26 different players from 17 and just say, look at me, I'm a dynasty. But look at me. This isn't about James Click. We'll let Dusty Baker have his moment. First managerial World Series Hall of Fame. Way to go, Dusty. But no, this entire World Series and that entire team is about Jim Crane. Never exhibited more than what he did to James Click. There are some rumors going around that other top quality executives would not want to take that job now. Because, wow, would you really want to work with Jim Crane or would you really want to work with a team that does that to a GM? There's only 30 jobs. I promise you, people want the Houston job. People want the Marlins job. People want any job because it is so hard to get. The rationale behind what James Crane did, Jim Crane did to James, it's simple. Your question is a simple one. Explain the rationale. Uh, He didn't like Click. He wanted a psychophant. Jim Crane, like many other owners, want to surround themselves with psychophants. And if they've got a president in place or a GM in place who's not one, then they want people below those candidates, those levels who are psychophants, who somehow can switch positions. Yeah, that's how it goes. Click deserved way better. He will get a ring, though. Someone asked me whether uh, Girardi is gonna get a pennant ring from the Phillies. That's a funny question. And my guess is yes, uh, he was fired by the Phillies. When you win the pennant and lose in the World Series, I guess you just have that's redundant. You either win the pennant or win the World Series. Although if you win the World Series, you win the pennant too. But if you you get the ring of what of your last winning stop. So there's two rings, either a pennant ring or a World Series ring, and the Phillies will do pennant rings, which players don't wear and executives don't wear. You no, know, even if you've even if you're the Bills, you don't wear your conference championship ring. You just wait for a Super Bowl ring. So Joe Girardi is going to get a pennant ring, and I assure you, it will never pass his second knuckle. When we come back, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to review. I still watched a movie every day while I was gone. And we can't come back without giving you the update about Danny Boy. Because, wow, of course, there's been an update. We'll be right back.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. And now, get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of IC Terms and conditions apply.
2: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name's David Sampson. Thank you for letting me go away for the week. We did a Monday show last week and then a Wednesday mailbag. Just got back today. Thank you for making it through and staying with me and Coca. Don't forget to subscribe to us on YouTube, please. You can follow us on Twitter because while I was gone, Twitter didn't shut down. So Coca has a, uh, I would say that his record, I'm going to say it's over 90%. Over 90% of his movie or TV suggestions, I will listen to 100 I'll start a hundred of the shows he suggests. But 90% of the time I finish them and 90% of the time they're amazing. He asked me to watch From Scratch with Zoe Saldana. From Scratch is an eight part show about a American woman who goes to Italy to study. She's an artist and falls in love with an Italian. It's based on a best-selling book. And the episodes are about her love story And then something bad that happens. And then by episode seven, something really bad happens. And by episode eight, you sort of figure out what's going to happen next after there's something bad that happens. So I'm not going to spoil anything on what happens that's bad to who. I will only say that if you're interested in Italy, if you're interested in amazing character development of an Italian family and a Texan family and how the two end up In one family. It is uh it's about a one-pack show, uh, with the majority of that pack being used in the later episode in seven of eight, but you will go through a pack of tissues. Zoe Saldana, Zoe Saldana was so good in this that you just you wanted more. I wanted to see even more episodes, and I don't always feel that. So it's called From. Scratch. You may want to check it out. Okay, we're over. So we're down some followers on Twitter. I guess people have left Twitter, Coco, but we're up on YouTube. And we said we were going to do a giveaway once we got to 10,000 subscribers. And we are. And here it is. If you're not listening to this, then you can't win. If your name is Joe and your last name is Kodali, then the number randomizer of whatever coca did the number ran randomizer between zero and 10,100 when we did it was like 1,562 or something that's you joe codally and you are the winner in the youtube subscriber giveaway so dm Coca or dm me say that you're the winner and then i'm going to send you something I'm going to need your address. So thank you all for everyone who subscribes and watches us on YouTube. Yes, I did get off the plane, but I did shower. I just did not get a chance to shave. I mean, if I look tired, it's because I am. And I am makeup free. Although I always do this show makeup free. I use makeup on CBS during the World Series because those lights are so bright when you're on a studio you have to. Otherwise, you're totally shiny. Now what I have, if you're on YouTube watching, I've got the the ring light sort of shine on the forehead. I have not figured out how to do that, how to take care of that. I guess I could move the ring light, but then the shine is somewhere else. Joe Codaly, you're a winner. Thank you. We'll do another one every 10,000 subscribers. So if you didn't win this time, get your friends and family to subscribe and go from 10 to 20. I bet you can do it, especially if we start going live more, which we may do. Let's talk about Danny Boy. Oh, Danny Boy. Is there anything more than he's selling the team? Yes, there's a lot more. So, word comes out that he's selling the team. We covered that in great detail. But then, even better, while I was gone, for whatever particular reason, unbeknownst to me, the attorney general in the District of Columbia, so this is not the US attorney general, this is the state's attorney general, sent a note to the media, hi, we're the attorney general of DC and we have a huge announcement to make tomorrow. Tune in. First of all, no matter what side of the political spectrum you're on, I do not appreciate when a public prosecutorial entity, whether it's civil or criminal, whether it's the SEC, the AG, the DOJ, the PPQ or the LSD, If you've got something and you want to release it, release it. There is zero reason to give anyone advance notice, media or the person you're charging. It doesn't make you look better. It doesn't give you extra points. It doesn't give you an extra year on your contract. It doesn't make you money. It doesn't cost you money. It is zero Utility to make that announcement that the AG made. Cut to, and this is not me defending Danny, boy. Keep that in mind. So now, what do you do if you're the commanders? You get this text alert that something major is happening. The first thing you're thinking is, are they unsealing a grand jury indictment? Is it criminal? Is it civil? What is this about? Is this about the emails? Is this about the workplace harassment? Is this about stealing money from other NFL owners? Is this about the thing that I did with that person over there that time? All of a sudden, you're knocking on every door saying, hey, you still in their closet? You still in their skeleton? Four, eight, nine. You open the closet door and say, you still in their skeleton? Then you open the next closet. Hey, you're good, right? We're good. We're good. They didn't see any of that. The lights are not on. So the commanders released a statement immediately after the, the AG said there was a big announcement coming. Keep it in mind. Don't know what the announcement is. I kid you not, and I'm going back to it even though it's a week old because I want to draw your attention to it. This is a statement from a professional sports team who is a day away from getting some pretty bad news in theory. Less than three months ago is how their statement started. For the final time, if you can count it, it's fewer. If you can't count it, it's less. Fewer than three months ago would have been correct, but they said less. Now, keep in mind, this is about something related to the AG. Less than three months ago, a 23-year-old player on our team was shot multiple times in broad daylight. Despite the out-of-control violent crime in D.C., today the commanders learned for the first time on Twitter that the D.C. Attorney General will be holding a press conference to make, quote, a major announcement, end quote, related to the organization tomorrow hold on one second. I just want to make sure that this happened. They released a statement about a major announcement and they started it by talking about the fact that they had a player shot multiple times three months ago. Are they trying to say that the attorney general, let me just see if I get this right. Do you think they're trying to say the attorney general should be spending their time trying to figure out keeping our streets safe and figuring out who killed the player and not worrying about what we did wrong? They can't be saying that. Are they saying we did nothing wrong and you're wasting your time? I'd rather you would have just spent your time trying to catch the killer. Amazing that the commanders assumed that there's no multitasking, but I digress. The commanders have fully cooperated. They continued with the AG's investigation for nearly a year. As recently as Monday, a lawyer for the team met with the attorney general who did not suggest at that time that he intended to take any action. Um, that's not their job when you're meeting with them. They don't give you a timeline. That's the whole point. They wait till they have a case fully baked. Sometimes they're waiting for a grand jury, which is sealed and in quiet. Hmm. It is unfortunate that in his final days in office, the attorney general appears more interested in making splashy headlines based on offbeat legal theories. Here comes the problem. Are you ready? On three, say it with me. Rather than doing the hard work of making the streets safe for our citizens, including bringing to justice the people who shot one of our players. When this statement came out, I immediately went on Twitter to say this obviously is fake. And that's part of the problem with the new Twitters. I don't know what's real, what's not, because everyone's a blue check. It's like the snitches. Now you don't know who's got stars, who doesn't. They all have stars or not, bellies upon ours. That's a book called The Sneeches*, which is also a tattoo of mine, because it doesn't matter if you have a star or not a star. You're still a sneetch, and you can still love each other. There's a big meaning behind that one, isn't there? What do you think he was talking about? Hmm. The commanders released this statement. No more than two minutes later, they are getting crushed. Not just on Twitter, everywhere. And the phone rings. It's the league office, of course. Hey, Dan, it's Raj. I know you're selling the team. If you could just do me one favor and run some of these statements by us, would that be all right? Because you sound like a prize fool. So guess what? They had Jason Wright. The president of the commanders release a follow up statement, making sure that we were all aware that they weren't trying to say that the police aren't doing their job and they weren't trying to bring the shooting of one of their employees as a way to cover up the fact that they've done things wrong in their front office. So not only did they screw up the first statement, but then they had to do a second statement, which made people who may not have read the first statement, read the first statement, because when you do the second statement, people say to themselves, hey, what's he talking about? I might as well read the first statement. It's always very tricky to know when to do a follow-up to something you've done wrong versus just cutting it off at the head and letting it go, going full Idina Menzel. But in this case, the NFL said, we're not letting this go. Let's be clear. We are the beacons of social justice here. We are not going to say anything that in any way casts us in a negative light release a statement right now saying we love the police and we love our community and we want it to be safe. And this has nothing to do with the investigation. So that statement gets released. Then the next day comes. And guess what happened the next day? Because it's good. The attorney general did make a major announcement. They're filing a civil lawsuit against Roger Goodell, the NFL, Daniel Snyder et al. And the charge... This is good. It's good. You all have been very deceived. All of you fans out there, all of we citizens of this United States of America. God bless America. Daniel deceived us. I assume that the lawsuit is only protecting those who don't listen to nothing personal, because he sure as heck doesn't deceive all of us. But apparently there's a group of people deceived by the actions of the NFL, by the actions of Daniel Snyder. And the deceit is that they were not forthcoming in the workplace front office harassment investigations. Are you kidding me? For those of you who thought he was going to be charged with stealing money from the NFL, from the other owners, that did not happen. A media member asked the question during the press conference, what about that? He said, stay tuned. The AG said, stay tuned. We may have more on that next week. Good luck. The the thought with the commanders is not that they stole money from the government, it's the fact that they misapplied revenue in order to take money out of NFL owners' pockets. But if you still report the revenue, the government doesn't care whether the revenue came from a Notre Dame game or a commanders' game. They just want to make sure you're stating your gate revenue as it was earned. It's been a thing. I don't think Daniel Snyder is shaking in his britches about the attorney general and the civil lawsuit. It is absolute cockamamie crap with zero legs, zero teeth. But he's still selling. What about the, uh when he, I forgot to mention this, Coca, to you. When he announced he was exploring the partial or full sell of the team and we told you on Nothing Personal, give me a break. He's selling the team. He finally realized that that was so stupid that no one was actually believing him. So he just said, yeah, we're selling the whole team. It's not going to happen tomorrow. I'll tell you who's not buying the commanders. Sam Bankman Freed. Nope. Not going to do it. Do you know who that is? Some of you do. The chairman, CEO, and founder of FTX. FTX stands for, it's a Ponzi scheme and you're all going to lose your money, but I'm going to get rich. I've told you my story about Scott Rothstein that criminal in Florida who was throwing money to the dolphins and the heat and everywhere from his law firm. And we didn't take it because it didn't pass my smell test because law firms don't spend money like that on sponsorship deals. And now he's in prison because he ran a Ponzi scheme. FTX was not a Ponzi scheme. It was a personal bank account that Sam Bankman Freed used When you put money in his crypto world, he took the money and said, I got an idea. I'm going to support 10 other companies that I run. And I'm going to open a few foreign companies buy a few places. It's all going to work out. Just don't come looking for all your money at once, because if there's a rush on the crypto, I don't have the cash to give to you. Sam Bankman Freed approached Major League Baseball and said, hey, we want to give you money. Major League Baseball said, hell yeah. We're going to put FTX right on the umps uniforms. Hey, Miami Heat and Miami Dade County, come on. You need to sell your naming rights. American Airlines left. Let's name it FTX Arena. We'll give you 175 million bucks. It's going to be the biggest deal ever. Here we go. And they said, Hell yeah. You are looking live at downtown Biscayne Boulevard, Miami, Florida, at the beautiful older FTX Arena. Hip, hip, hooray. I bet people would rather invest it in Carnival stock than FTX right now. And that's saying something. So what happens? What did happen? They went bankrupt. Now, what does it mean when a company declares bankruptcy like FTX did? You have to actually look at the filing to see which entities declared bankruptcy. But there's only one thing that I can promise you, that if you can't access your cryptocurrency from the FTX exchange, you will never will be able to. And you can get online to be a creditor all you want, and you're lucky to get pennies on the dollar. For all the people who invested their money, Tom Brady, Kevin Durant, for all the sponsorship deals, the heat, the umps, everywhere else. You can get online with the bankruptcy judge. It'll be a cold day in hell when you get your money. It's not happening. There's something called a secured creditor and an insecure creditor. A secured creditor is like when you borrow money from a bank like your mortgage, and it's secured by your house. If you don't pay your mortgage, the bank says, thank you, I'll take your house. And then if your house is not worth what your mortgage is, then the bank suffers. If your house is worth more than what your mortgage is, but you have no access to money because you're bankrupt, the bank takes your house, sells your house, and then they get the money. The bank is a secured creditor of you and of your house. An insecured creditor does not mean, it's not like middle school, oh my God, I'm so insecure, do I look okay? No. Insecure means that you're like everybody else. Secured creditor, first class. Insecured creditor, coach. Economy. And that's what the heat are. So that means you have to go out. And the way it works with the bankruptcy judge, just so you know, when this goes through, which will take a long time, is when you do get online to try to get money, you actually have to say What you've done to mitigate your losses, which means how do you make your losses smaller than they actually were? So for Miami-Dade County and the Miami Heat, they have to go out and find the new naming rights deal right now. And then if the deal is smaller, then the difference between the FTX deal and their new deal, that's the amount they can try to get in bankruptcy, but they're still not going to get it. There was a team in the Grand Prix And I'm totally blanking, Coca. FTX sponsored one of the Grand Prix teams on the grid. And as of Friday, they still had FTX on the cars. FTX goes bankrupt. Sam Bankman-Fried is a total fraud, disgusting person who gives me a bad name. And it was Mercedes. Thank you, Coca. And they decided on Friday to take FTX off the cars. So Hamilton and Russell, Russell, who won the race, his first ever win on the circuit, First ever Grand Prix win. We saw the first poll by Magnuson and Haas and the first win by Russell and Mercedes. They just took the FTX off. But now they've got to replace the money because what the county does in Miami who gets the revenue from naming rights and the heat who gets some of the revenue, they put that in their budget. They count on that annual revenue and that puts a hole in the budget. Just like the hole in your personal budget when you invested in crypto and lost all your money. Or for you Floridians out there who looked at your mayor. Francis Suarez and said, hey, I'm going to buy Miami coin. That'll be a good idea. My county is going to be the richest county in the country. All because of Miami coin. If you invested a dollar with him, he gave you back a penny. How cool is that? I mean, not every day you get an investment like that dollar for a penny. Come on. That'll be the end of FTX. Just be careful out there. If some just as a general rule, just between us in this little tiny room with one camera, the number of people watching and listening, which keeps growing, thank you, between us. No matter what you are doing in your life, personally or professionally, if you see something and it's too good to be true, trust me, it is too good to be true because it's not true. Every single time. There are no shortcuts. There are no get-rich-quick schemes. Oh, by the way, Sam Bankman-Fried, for all of you concerned, I'm sure Levitard thinks that that's the end of his life like the end it was of uh, Alec Jones's life. I promise you, Sam Bankman-Fried is not poor today. The only people who are poor are the people who invested in FTX. Nothing personal, Pick of the day. We are 128 and 107. A week ago on November 7th was our last pick. We had the Ravens one and a half over the Saints. That was over a week ago. I think that may have been a Thursday night game and Coco was angry, but I think they crushed them that game. Uh, But again, that's a week old, but we did win. Let's talk about tonight. There's a lot going on with the Commanders, which we touched on. As a matter of fact, I wanted to do the pick of the day after I talked about the Commanders, but I lost my place. The Commanders play tonight. For the first time since all of the issues have been happening with Danny, and they go back years now. I mean, it's it's been an issue for that long, really since this show started three years ago. The players are chirping a little bit. They seem a little more distracted, like it's seeped into their clubhouse. One thing that we would try to do is all of the noise outside the clubhouse. And believe me, with the Marlins, there was stadium noise, relocation noise, contraction noise with the expos when I was there. You try very hard to keep that out of the clubhouse. There are times that we've pulled papers. There were times when you had papers in the clubhouse and we would not put certain sections in when the internet was not as available. Or if there's a big thing going on in this day and age with the internet, you get ahead of it and you talk to your players and just say, forget it. It's not true. Focus on the game. Focus on the game. And it's worked for the commanders sort of, you know, they've had Ron Rivera out there trying to take some bullets and Jeffrey Wright trying to, Try to make things better. But now after this latest crazy statement about their player who got unfortunately killed, the clubhouse started talking and making public statements. For the commanders to recover on the field, they need Ron Rivera to do some major damage control and major focus exercises. The problem is they picked the wrong week for this to happen. They're playing the Eagles, the undefeated Eagles, Yes, they're getting 11 points. No, it's not enough. Eagles will stay undefeated and stay ahead of the Giants in the NFC East. Eagles over Commanders by 11. It's award week in baseball. Keep in mind for the next four days that you're going to hear rookie of the year. You're going to hear Cy Young, MVP, managers of the year. All of these decisions were made before the playoffs. Every vote was cast. So Aaron Judge could have gone zero for a 1,000 in the playoffs, and it will not have an iota of impact on whether he wins MVP. I will discuss MVP later in the week, and I'm still going to make an argument for Shohei Otani, but we're starting tonight with Rookies of the Year. Rookie of the Year is a very interesting award because it is the least indicative of a successful career of any of the awards. There are some one-off Cy Young Award winners from time to time, but not common. Some one-off MVPs, but maybe they're in the top 10 after that, not common. MVPs go to players not who have had great seasons, but who are great players having great seasons. Rookies of the year go to a great season because you don't know whether the player is going to be great. Go look right now at the last 20 rookies of the year the winners in both leagues because you get an American League and a National League. And there is no way to know for sure anything other than wow, it was a good year. Now, Seattle is hoping that's not the case because the winner of this year's rookie of the year award tonight is going to be julio rodriguez and they already signed him to a lifetime deal for hundreds of millions of dollars and the reason i didn't like the signing is yes he's a physical specimen yes he has five tools and they're all above average yes he could be an all-star caliber grade a player who can hit for power has speed good arm all of that is possible but he's done it for a year that's it Julio Rodriguez will win, but wow, he cashed in on that win already. On the National League side, amazing to have the defending World Series champions win a rookie of the year, and the Braves are the defending World Series champions or were when this was decided. Now the Astros are the current World Series champions. They have got, they had two rookies. I'm looking for them to finish one, 2 Their pitcher, Strider, their position player, Harris. Let me just say, as a matter of course, When you have a choice between a position player and a pitcher for rookie of the year, the position player is going to win 95 times out of 100 because they're playing every day. No matter how good a rookie pitcher is, the thought is they're going and giving you 20 starts or 23 starts, and that's not enough. So Michael Harris of the Braves is going to beat his own teammate, and it just shows you that what an organization they have and what sort of power they have, not just financial might, but support that they let Freeman go after winning the World Series, Freddie Freeman to the Dodgers. Then they sign a new first baseman, Matt Olson. gave him a huge amount of money. And on top of that, they're paying all their young players too. Here's a little thing you may not have known. The owner of the Braves owns another thing. It's called F1. Yes, Liberty Media owns the Atlanta Braves and the F1. All of it. And they just got a nice little broadcast bump after Drive to Survive. Is there a correlation between the Braves payroll, the ballpark village, the development in Atlanta with the new stadium, and the success of the F1, allowing the Braves to have a payroll larger than usual and to sign all of these players? Of course there is. Do you know why? It's just business. We'll be back tomorrow. This is nothing personal.